Hello again and welcome to the Master's Voice. I am Celestial and you are welcome to this channel. This is a part two of a two-part prophetic message that is called The Mighty Men Are Returning, June the 26th, 2023. So if you haven't watched part one, please do go back because re listening to that message is crucial to your understanding for the second part because this is a continuation of the message. And so the time of Daniel's prophecy will see a society upon the earth that attempts to mingle iron with clay but god says that they will not mingle and then the lord said that this is noah's day when the spirits of the angels will be encased in human flesh walking the earth once more as mighty men of renown now the bible says that god makes his ministers spirits and flames of fire so he is talking about the angels but he says here that the angels will be encased in human flesh and i shared in the first video that there are clear instances in the scripture where the angels appear looking as men and in the old prophecies i i taught already that angels can appear with their glory when they appear with their glory they are very blazing and shocking to the human being our heart can't take them our mind can take them and so as daniel clearly said when the angel appeared to him to talk with him he was an angel that that came with glory and Daniel became paralyzed by the presence of such a mighty personage and he fell down as a dead man he said that the angel had to revive him and lift him up we see the same type of angel is the kind of angel that came to roll away the stone of Christ as the angel approached his brightening glory made the Roman soldiers who were on duty outside the tomb watching Jesus's tomb for three days to make sure that his followers didn't steal his body the Bible also records that when the angel came forth, those men fell down as dead. This tells us clearly that the human form cannot bear angels in their full glory. If you want to hear a little bit about angelic glory, you can look at the end of that prophecy that is called the rainbow and men where god clearly stated i read from my personal notes that he says when angels come forth in their brightening glory they can cause the human body to basically stop shut down and if we are exposed to that glory too long we can die this is why the servants of God, when they come to bring messages, such as Gabriel speaking to Mary about the fact that she would bear the Christ, they don't come blazing forth that powerful heavenly radioactive thing that they have. And what did God reveal in that message I shared from my notes? What did he say that glory is? He said that the angels are carrying only a tiny piece of his glory. So there is, an, there is a glory that comes to men. We are also carrying a portion of the Father's glory. But then there is a higher form of that glory upon the angels. And yet God says that even if it is higher, it is still tiny. So just think then of how glorious God himself is. He is light. He is all light. He is all glory pulsing in one being. Doesn't that tell us something about how we should approach God? Doesn't that tell us that many of us, we have the wrong mindset in how we see God? We, we think God is such a casual person, such, oh, you know, God, this and that. And people talk about God as if he's their uncle Cletus next door. And yet he's saying that something that can cause seizure and heart failure and heart stoppage in a human being, an angel is only carrying a tiny portion of how glorious he, God is. As Christians, we need to come back to the benchmark. I, I'll say this without, without any form of restraint whatsoever. A lot of you just simply need to go back to your Bible that has been on your nightstand. You never touch it. You don't read it. You don't actually know what is in it, but when you talk, a person would think that you are a theologist and a professor, and yet you're not. You don't even read the basics and so you don't know who God is and that is why your approach to him is all wrong and that is why you can't seem to get the goodness, the sweetness, the, the bone marrow, precious parts of God. You can't seem to get that out of him because you don't know how to approach him. You don't know how to talk to him. You don't know how to treat him. You don't know how to love him. You don't know how to reverence him. You don't know how to worship him. You don't know anything about him. And yet you are talking about him as if you and him are so close. And when the day of testing comes, it will be exposed that you weren't even his or you were so casual with him. And that, that is why in the day that you need him, 
He will be casual with you. If you have never heard this phrase that says, I will mock at them when their calamity comes, that means when the terrors that are ahead in the future come to this earth, there are people that God is literally going to laugh at you. If that doesn't sober us up, I don't know what is, what's going to. And so the Lord is asking, he says that the spirits of the angels will be wearing human flesh. And I just talked about these young men, the fallen, that will be walking around looking for women, looking like normal men and women who like promiscuity, women who like to sleep with um, tall, good looking and whatever, women who don't have even basic restraint in these end times to know that the men are going to be slightly more and then sometimes a lot more dangerous than they were in the past. You are just going to walk right into these traps and not know what you are putting yourself into. God says that mighty men are returning. These are the Nephilim babies. Please listen. They're being born right now, children with strange powers and strange abilities. They're able to blend seamlessly with human beings until it is time to show their power. They are right in your midst, but you can't tell. They have existed since the ancient civilizations, and they replace themselves with more of their number at a replacement rate that is equal to or greater than the human population. In an old prophecy that is called humanoids and the serpent race, the Lord said that these creatures that are not human, this is all blends of them, including the human looking ones, that they outnumber us at about a rate of 60%. 60% means 60 out of 100. 60% means if you take 10 humans and line them up, six of them are not from us. They have been blending seamlessly with human beings since ancient times, and they work harder at multiplying their numbers than us. And God says that their, their children manifest strange powers and strange abilities. And I spoke of those children in the prophecy that is called God said, where I said that I saw children with incredible powers for their tiny size, children that are able to bend physical matter. They are able to manipulate and move physical objects like chairs and things like that. And even people, I shared that the Lord showed me a vision of a child, possibly a little girl that was so sick of all the tests and all the testing and all the do it again, move that spoon, move that chair. That when the technician came into the room, this child was being held in a bunker place. She was being held. I will fix the lighting in a moment. She was being held in a place with thick cement walls and a big observance glass. You know, that glass where the people who are watching the experiment stand behind the glass. She was being held in a place like that. And she had no clothing. She only had little panties on. And I said that I saw these children, they keep them like that in little blue underwear for boys, little pink underwear for girls. And they are very thin looking and very unhappy children who are tested, 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 tested to see how strong their powers are. Are their powers growing right here in the United States? I shared that. And this little girl was so tired of that existence that the technician came into the room and as soon as he walked in and the little the, the steel door slammed shut, that child picked up that man without touching him, just with her head. She picked him up and she slammed him against a wall with so much force that the man died on impact. Blood came from here, blood came from here, from here, from here. It came out of eyes, nose, mouth, and he was dead against that wall. And the people behind the glass just wrote some things down and the man was just dead in the room. The child was so frustrated that she killed that man without touching him. So these are the kinds of children. But also, these children that are coming into the world and their parents are going, oh, look, I just had him six minutes ago and he's already asking his father for um, the car keys. I just had him five minutes ago and look, he's already lifting his head and looking around and observing everything. And since when did babies come into the world with all that? Since when does a child in the first week of life have the ability to sit up and hold up its head and be cognizant and all the things that the brand new babies are doing now? People always ask me what I think, but I want to ask you, what do you think? What are you making of the evidence around you? As you look with your eyes and as you listen with your ears, what is your discernment telling you of the age that we are in? And so 
These are the men of Genesis 6, the mighty men of renown that did great feats, great deeds in history, Roman history, Greek history, men who did impossible things in Africa near the Nile. It is all them. Africa near the Nile. This is Egypt, of course. The pyramids that human beings have been puzzling over for generations. Who moved those massive blocks? Who stacked them with such mathematical precision that we lack the kind of ability to replicate the pyramids? And many of what used to be called the wonders of the world. So there were seven wonders of the world, eight wonders of the world. Who built Stonehenge? We see all the documentaries on the History Channel, but now that we are here not on the History Channel, but on the Christian Channel, where the Lord is bringing forth prophecy, who built these ancient civilizations that boast such massive, massive, huge blocks? God is saying, mighty men, did these things in history that we are wondering about. But the reason that we haven't solved it is because we don't listen to biblical truth. We listen to Gaia and what they're discussing on the History Channel. And there were three pieces of history that he mentioned. If you like, you can just go and look them over. One is Jason and the Argonauts. The other is the adventures of Ulysses. Sometimes he's called Odysseus. And the other is the labors of Hercules. Just a moment, please. So what might you be able to find if you look up Jason and the Argonauts, if you look up the adventures of Odysseus, and if you look up the, the labors of Hercules? What you will find are meticulously preserved stories about dragons, great dragons in the sea. You might find massive lions that were three to four times, even five to six times the size of human lions, lions that were said to contain poison in their fangs and in their claws, something that normal lions lack today. In fact, the Nemean lion was one such vicious lion and a particularly deadly form of Nephilim lion that Hercules was said to have wrestled with his bare hands and he killed that lion and he skinned its skin and he wore it and Hercules is said to have been protected by from many stabs of a sword and arrows because the hide of the lion could not be punctured by sword or by an arrow and we know that's not true because normal lions can be punctured by a spear or something like that Hercules also killed what is known as the hydra the Hydra is a supposed mythological creature that had multiple heads. And one of the Hydra's great skills that made it almost impossible to destroy is the fact that if you chopped off one head, the head multiplied and became two. Now, if you were a man of a strong stroke and you cut off both heads, each head would produce two more heads. So the more you cut off the heads, you multiplied the Hydra until it would go from maybe eight heads to 18 or even 82. It was a beast that was impossible to beat. But the way Hercules solved the problem was by chopping off a head and quickly holding fire under the head and it cauterized the wound like burnt meat and the Hydra was unable to multiply. Ulysses Adventures contains one very interesting story. I read all these things when I was a youth. Ulysses, or Odysseus as he is sometimes called, is the man who, is mo who has the most famous mermaid story in history. This man was supposed to sail through a very narrow strait. I forget the type of a strait. A strait is where you're sailing on the seas and then you come to a place where the land is very close together with only a very narrow passage in between. So sometimes you can get it where two cliffs are together um, and you have to sail through to get to a more wider area of the sea. And so Odysseus came to a place that was famous for having mermaids that sang. And the sound of the mermaids or sirens, as they are sometimes called, were so haunting that every time ships came to that area, they would smash upon either one wall of the strait or the other. And here's the worst part. As the boats smashed and splintered because the old boats were just wood, the men would fall into the seas 
And then the mermaids would dive in and do what? Marry them like the little mermaid said oh so long ago by Disney, that lie? No, they would go into the water and eat those men because mermaids are some of the most savage predators among Nephilim. It's even better to meet the abominable snowman or any other form of Nephilim than it is to meet those creatures. They are savage and they take no prisoners. They are of the marine world and they are some of the most dedicated predators and attackers of human being in physical and spiritual form. And I will speak more of them at the end of this prophecy because the Lord did mention them and I might share a little bit from my notes which have a prophecy on them that has never been revealed. The Lord says that the children of the fallen, this is the Nephilim, will reveal themselves. They will expose themselves. Their numbers are too great. They have defiled the world with their ideas and technology, and they burden the world with their presence. So just like Noah's day, where the multiplication of fallen angels and all that they taught women burdened the earth and men became so wicked. They became so lustful. They became so filled with bloodlust, which is just this murdering urge, began to kill each other. Wars came upon the earth, wars man to man and wars between humanity and the Nephilim, who the Bible says the giants were so bloodthirsty. They were so violent that they enslaved entire civilizations of people. They set themselves up as a race of kings and people had to work for them non-stop farm to keep them fed raise animals to keep them fed and i think it says in the book of enoch that when they grew too many and there wasn't enough food for them they started eating people and then people raised up a lament and a weeping cry unto god that frustrated the good angels and they said to god lord how long will you regard this the good angels had to intercede for mankind. And that is when God moved and sent forth a judgment upon them that you can read in what is known historically as the clash of the Titans. In the book of Enoch, God pronounced madness. He told Enoch, tell the fallen who have gone and produced children that I know they love their children and therefore part of their punishment will see their children will be to see their children run mad and destroy each other. And mythology records that the Titans, this is the first race of giants who came many, many, many feet tall. Some of them are said to be the father of the sun, the father of the moon. If you know the name Zeus, if you know the name Hera, if you know the name Poseidon, who is supposedly the king of the sea, if you know the name Hades, who was supposed to be the Titan in charge of the underworld, these gods like that, the Lord says that punishment upon their fathers who were the Titans was to run mad and they had terrible wars and they destroyed each other and all humanity had to do was hide and watch as they cut each other down from the earth. But that still left the problem of their children and their children who continued and have continued to show themselves to successive generations of humanity up until now. God says that the earth is weary now as it was then with the presence of these beings. The earth is weary of bearing her burdens and she has come to me to complain. The earth has carried them, born and suffered them long enough, and now she will vomit them out. And what God is saying is that as the earth vomits them out, I guess this is when we're going to start to see earthquakes and people find things in those earthquakes. Sometimes they might be bones and people will take those bones because God says that some of the last days Nephilim will come from the fusing of DNA. Some of these Nephilim are going to be lab grown and lab regenerated. This is a process where some of them are kept in ice, cryogenesis, a word that God taught me, and they're going to be raised back up from that perfectly preserved frozen DNA. The fact that I saw them, the prophecy is called what I saw today. And I saw that in the earth, like little grains of rice in through the ice, the Lord showed me that there are men who are perfectly preserved. They are not dead. They are only sleeping. They will be brought back to life. And the Lord also showed that through scientific, scientific regeneration processes that can use a little bit of bone, a little bit of hair, a little bit of blood. One of the giants that God mentioned will come back is Og of Bashan. And God says that when Og of Bashan, who was killed 
His story is in Deuteronomy 13. It says, when Og of Bashan comes back, he will come back with the full memory of the war he fought against Israel and lost, how he and his people were exterminated. And he will come back with full memory and rage of what happened. And he will make war with the people who put him to death. So God says that these Nephilim are of all colors, black, white, Asian, every race under the sun. And some of them look human and some of them, he said, are non-human and you can never mistake those ones for a person. Let's continue. Some Nephilim inhabit the high mountainous areas that are treacherous for human habitation. I always speak of these ones. I always say that those who like hiking to the top of mountains and things like that, in the last days, you will find that the people who live there people used loosely are not going to tolerate human beings coming there. You will go hiking. You will go to a place where the locals will tell you, yeah, we usually hike to about this height and then we go back home. We never go above because all the people who go above this area never come back. And then of course, people will want to see if it's true and then they will go and then they will never come back. And after waiting for them for like three months, all their stuff will be mailed back to their wife in Denmark because they don't listen. Humans cannot thrive in the high mountainous areas because the air is too thin, but the Nephilim breathe it easily. They have settlements in the high areas. Tibet is one of them, the Lord said. Himalayas is a place they dwell. He said, they will come down from there. So the prophecy says the earth will vomit them up. That means that from hidden places under the ground, they will be found. Whether alive they will be found or whether their bones will be found, the earth is going to do her part now to bring out this detestable presence that she hates. But God says that they are still living and some of them live in the very high areas. Tibet is one place he mentioned. That doesn't mean that that's the only place. What he's showing is that very high mountains that are hard for people to live in, these creatures can breathe the thin air. And so they moved their settlements up there to have peace and also not to be seen. But he says they will come down. Some lived by the Nile in the past and have spread all over Africa. They look just like them and have settled among them safely, preserving their history across the generations. And so there is one prophecy on the master's voice that discusses a dream that I had, that when I woke up from that dream, I said, Lord, what manner of thing is this? And what I saw is that beings came down from the sky. They landed with a crash in Africa. And the thing that they were traveling in was not a spaceship. It was, believe it or not, a traditional African hut. They came down in the kind of dwelling, the kind of thing with grass at the roof, thatch at the roof that they have in Africa. And the minute it landed, within a very short time, the Africans who were living in that area, they landed in a desert area. The Africans who were living in that area quickly brought out a delegation to those things and said, where are you from? And they were having a kind of discussion. And then the things, their leader, for they were things, the title is called Ancient Aliens in Africa. Their leader became frustrated with being questioned by what he felt was lower life forms. He felt the human beings were lower life forms and he transformed and the top part of him was man and the bottom part of him was a massive serpent. He transformed and the other two looked at him. The other two, there were three of them that came down. The other two looked at him as if to say, and then when you transform and then you eat them, where are we going to settle? How many of them will you kill? This was the discussion they were having among themselves. And for the human delegation, God bless them, they were led by a very old, calm man who had probably seen this kind of thing many times before. And so he was not intimidated when that creature transformed. The other men that he was with, when the thing transformed, exactly how a snake makes animals freeze, all the men froze. But the old man was fine. He was just looking down at his hands and waiting for them to make their decision because he had told them, you can't live here with us. We know who you are and we don't want to accept you into our society. And so the things made the decision that they would leave. And in that dream, God showed me how they wandered and wandered, going from village to village to village. Most of the villages they went to had the knowledge that they were not human. And so they refused to meet with them. 
They refused to let them blend into the society. They were always rejected. And the one that had the quick temper had to learn how to control his body and not morph into what he was, which was a serpent man. These serpent men are very well described in Indian culture. I think they're called the Naga. They're called the Naga race where they are serpent at the bottom and human at the top. And these are also Nephilim descendants. They were a ruling class in the old days in India, and they are still spoken of in India, whispered about. And it's something that Indians don't really want tourists to know about. They always say it's a myth or they just don't want to discuss it, but it is a well-known part of Indian history. And they also exist in many parts of Asia and God showed also in Africa. And what the Lord showed in that prophecy about Africa, that he is reinstating here, that some of the Nephilim lived by the Nile in the past, is that everything you have heard about ancient Egypt is true. That civilization heavily blended with Nephilim. Most of their knowledge, most of their star knowledge, most of their mathematical knowledge, even the knowledge that they have of how to preserve human bodies came from the Nephilim. Why do you think the pharaohs believed they would live forever? The Nephilim showed them techniques of embalming and preserving the human body that makes many of the mummies in the sarcophagus today still have tender enough flesh that you could use to reanimate and bring a Pharaoh back to life. And in the last days, God has revealed that there will be Pharaohs in the last days. They will wake them up. They will bring them back to life and they will be back with all their arrogance because once upon a time, their sky fathers told them, if you follow us, we will teach you the secret to eternal life. This is a fake form of eternal life, sleeping in a mummified casket for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, only to be rebaked back from your dead body. This is not the eternal life that Jesus Christ has promised us. Jesus Christ has never promised us rebakery from a rotted dead corpse. He has promised us, bless his holy name, a brand new body that he will give us. We will put off this corruptible form. We will put on incorruptible and then we shall ever be with the Lord and all who are wise, all who are smart. If you can hear the words of the Lord here on the master's voice, that is what you should desire. Not to be some dead rotten corpse that will come back. Cheap promises of the devil, cheap promises of fallen angels, cheap promises of Nephilim, all who will fall for these lies. However they package these lies in the last days, if you fall for it, it is not because the truth was not available. It is because you wanted cheap promises of what is already dead. Satan is already dead. He's already in the lake of fire because God has already spoken it from before the creation, before the creation of the world. Satan was put into the lake of fire. That is his final reward. So everything that he's doing now here is simply to get friends to be in the lake of fire with. If you are so unwise as to fall for these things in the end times when they come, you will have no one to blame but yourself. It doesn't matter how many of your family members want to follow these things. If you don't warn them even once, if, let them hear the knowledge and reject it. Let them hear the knowledge and call me crazy. In the final days when creatures are flat-footed on the earth, we will see what was crazy and we will see what was divine truth that came to us as mercy to save us from the claws of this being called the devil who is looking to take God's people and all people to the lake of fire. And I continue. The next type. Oh yes, I will continue. It says that these Nephilim in Africa look just like the people in Africa and one trait about them. And this is what I saw under that dream when people came to leave comments. If you have never seen comments that will blow your mind on the master's voice, look for the prophecy called ancient aliens in Africa and read what the Africans wrote in the comment section. God says that one of the key traits of the African Nephilim is that they are not like European and Western Nephilim who have their history preserved in written form. He says they preserve their history across the generations. And the way that history is majorly preserved in Africa is through the telling of oral traditions, telling oral stories. If you read that comment thread and if you see what people from Africa wrote under that blog, 
about how they have certain tribes that refuse to marry with other tribes, any other tribe, they will not mingle. They marry only within themselves. And they say that they are a royal bloodline. They say that they are preserving who they are. They say that they came from the stars. They say that they are another race of people. They don't hide it. And many Africans were talking about things that I had never heard in my life. But because my spirit knows that knowledge is not preserved in one vessel, what these people brought to the conversation of Nephilim is well worth checking out. They preserve their history. They are keeping themselves because they know their story. They know their origin. In Africa, people don't just go and get married. People want to know who your great, 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 great whoever was before they will let you into the family. Here in the West, you can just meet anybody, run to the registry office and make it official without knowing if that's a human being, a crocodile, a Nephilim, or just somebody from Ohio. The next type of Nephilim God called troglodytes. Now the word in English simply means somebody who's stuck in the past. It sort of is an insult. It means somebody who's living in the cave era, a, a sort of a caveman type of thing. But this has very real world application. The Lord says that some Nephilim are cave dwellers, troglodytes, hidden communities, he said, with wells that are drilled deep into the ground for groundwater. And they also have tunnels that they use from their caves to move around in daylight unseen. So these types of Nephilim, they don't have very good eyes. And the Lord says that they don't like to come out and walk like walk on a path or walk on trees or walk next to the lake. Their entire dwelling and their lives are subterranean lives. They live in caves, they live in sunken caves and they, they have tunnels. He says that go under the ground and they use those tunnels to move around and travel in daylight times, but then they will come out at night above the ground. Troglodytes have long arms, so they have arms that hang very much low down, which is almost exactly like science tries to tell us, oh, Neanderthal man was like this. Well, Neanderthal man, as the Lord was speaking to me today, Neanderthal man fit God's description to a T. Troglodytes have long arms and long feet, are very powerful, not very good eyesight, but powerful senses like hearing and smell that compensate for what they lack in sight. They are ugly to look upon and they know it. That's why they don't come out in daylight. They are hunters of the night and will steal people and carry them back to their settlements. And then the Lord said this, they do not eat them. They just carry them back to their settlements and they are never seen again. They eat meat, but they don't eat people. This was so strange to me. I had to say it. I said, Lord, if they eat meat, why don't they eat people? And the Lord said, because they are not savages. They are a community that has structures of life, just like people. They make families. They know that people have families. Therefore, they don't eat them. They are not savages. They are just not favorable to being seen. So these are creatures that like to keep to their human community and keep, I mean, keep to their cave community and keep to their hidden lifestyle. But God says that they will steal people. Now this is people who will go close to these communities of creatures. And in the old days when America wasn't so invested in lying about everything all the time, Many stories used to exist in the old nature journals and in the old newspapers about how so-and-so Bessie May and her family went on a picnic and they were never seen again. And then old Harold by the lake went hiking and everybody knows that Harold likes to hike early in the morning. But one morning, Harold went a different way than usual and nobody has ever seen Harold in these remaining 50 years. That's where these people go. God says that the, the cave dwellers take them. So if you come into where they live, or you happen to burst into where they have a community. God said that they will keep you. They're not going to eat you, but they're definitely going to keep you because they have family structures, just like people. So they won't eat you because they know that you come from a family. 
but they're just not going to let you go back because whenever human being goes back, they go to the newspaper and they go to Google and they go everywhere else and they say all that they've seen. And then soon thousands more humans go to that place and will disturb these creatures. And this is why one or two people have disappeared for a long time. And then they, they reappear and they look like a bush dwelling person with long beard or, or they're half crazy. And they have these stories that they've been living with furry creatures or living with what people call, um, it's not the abominable snowman. It's the other one that isn't a snowman. Just a moment, please. The creature is called Bigfoot. That is the creature. The creature is called Bigfoot. These Bigfoot creatures are said to have family structures with the father Bigfoot, mother Bigfoot, children Bigfoot, and people have come back and said, they were keeping me, they were keeping me, they were feeding me and doing all this, but I was with them and everyone just looks at them and says, perhaps you hurt your head. But people can't explain how this person has been gone for two years, sometimes five years. They can't explain the person is not dead, the person is not sick, the person has come back and seems to be half out of their mind, and I guess that's what would happen when you've spent so many years living in a community that's sort of like a community, but not at all like the community that you're used to as a human being. And so the Lord continued, all Nephilim are evil. So he made that very clear because this is an issue that people don't understand. As I share these things, people become so intrigued and they want to know, do you think there's good ones, Celestial? The answer is no. Once it is not made by God, you don't need to question if it's good. Genesis chapter one will tell you everything about what God calls good. Just get a Bible and read Genesis chapter one and see how every time he made something, he stopped and he said, and the Lord saw that it was good. These things are not mentioned in Genesis chapter one. The creation of Satan can never be innocent. It can never be good. You don't need to ask if they are good. Good means sanctioned by God. Evil means hated by God. Therefore, Nephilim are unwanted. They are hated. They can never be good. However, God is saying that not all of them are savages, meaning not all of them will tear people to pieces. And then he moved seamlessly into the next section. Giants, however, are evil and savages. They will not hesitate to eat people. They are bone crushers. They cut and crunch the bones of their prey. Now, I mentioned on the blog that as a child, I read a lot. And this that the Lord has said lines up with everything that I have read. In current modern storytelling, the giant is always presented as a big clumsy guy looking for a friend. So he's hiding in the caves or he's hiding somewhere at the back of a mountain. And then a little boy or a little girl will find him or a hiker will find him. As America puts the story, as we can see, I think one of them is the big robot story from a few years back, that cartoon. America will always make it seem like the Nephilim is just lonely. The Nephilim is bumbling. The Nephilim would be a much better social butterfly if he had a friend. What God says is that the Nephilim is evil. No matter whether it is a female Nephilim that looks like a seductress, whether it is a fairy, whether it is a garden gnome, whether it is a mermaid, whether it is a human looking man, it doesn't matter. The Nephilim is evil and the giants are wicked. They are very savage. In the books that people have greatly removed from libraries now, giants had huge iron pots and they would constantly be able to build a fire under that pot in no time. The books that I read, they would put people in the water with carrots and a bit of rabbit and a bit of cabbage and a bit of everything else and make a stew of people. And here is something that I remember from childhood. The Lord says, they are bone crushers. They cut and crunch the bones of prey. Did you know that in the old storybooks, giants actually went by the name of what they specialized in? Some of them called bone crusher, others called skull crusher. As history is rewritten, truth is lost. As truth is lost, man is deceived. As man is deceived, man does not perceive evil as evil. This is how we get Isaiah 5:20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. The Bible is the source of everything, all truth. Every story goes back to this one book. But the people of the world, they have a form of knowledge, but it has no godliness in it. 
They run from pillar to post watching movies and saying, oh, did you know the fallen, the fallen? But they have no idea that the fallen are coming to live among us and that the only name that will control, stop, repel, push back and destroy the fallen is the name of Jesus. And many people are going to find out in the final days that the knowledge from TV and the Gaia channel and the History Channel and all the apps is not enough to save their life. And that is where Bone Crusher and skull crusher are going to have the advantage, but the people of God don't need to go into the iron pot. The people of God need to study more scripture and bow their knee to Jesus Christ, cleanse themselves, get rid of the petty sins that make us weak. If you have petty sins in your life, you cannot possibly hope to have any spiritual authority. You cannot stand up and rebuke a demon when you are doing the thing that the demon is in charge of. You cannot be doing the demon of masturbation sin and then think that when another demon manifests, you will be able to rebuke that demon. Those two will connect like lightning cables on an Apple phone and let each other know, don't listen to her, she does this. Don't listen to him, he does this. And they will connect and they will answer you like the sons of Sceva. Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Who are you? And the demon laid into the sons of Sceva and beat all seven of them, tore their clothes from them and scattered them publicly. They had no authority because they did not know the Lord. So the giants need not put fear into the hearts of true sons and daughters. You can take this as just more information of what the end times will look like. But to those who only have TikTok to rely on and you don't have any relationship with Jesus, Please bear in mind that God says that giants are evil, savages, and they will not hesitate to eat people. The final part of this prophecy, the mermaids will come out of the sea and walk among you. They will change their skin. They will change their color to your colors to look more human, to be accepted by humanity, but you will know what they are. They will allow themselves to be seen they will allow themselves to be photographed for the first time. They will show themselves to people and the world will split. This was capital letters over the coming of the last day's Nephilim to live among men. So I shared, I think I only have one comprehensive prophecy on mermaids, the Nephilim of the sea. Uh, these creatures are extremely savage. They are extremely cunning. They manifest in physical form, meaning that it is possible to touch one, but they also traffic highly in the world today as spirits. These are marine entities, marine spirits. These are Nephilim of the waters, and they are extremely dangerous. They bring forth very much sexual promiscuity into the world. You're having trouble with getting your sexuality straight. You think that you're a man and when you're really a woman, or you think that you're a woman when you're really a man, marine spirits and the ideology of the fallen ones are behind that. They cause great, great proliferation of sexual sin in the earth because of the growth of human sexuality um, bubbling out of its place, meaning that people don't want to restrain themselves. People just want to have all the sex in the world. They don't want to get married. married marriage is becoming obsolete in the world. People don't actually see why they should have to get married to to have sex. They don't see why they should deny themselves any pleasure. After all, you, you only live once. This is the mindset that Satan puts in people because like I said, the lake of fire is still accepting applications and Satan is making sure that humanity fills all the applications, not some he wants to go to the lake, all. That is his goal. God's goal is some because God knows that not all people are wise and not all people will choose life, even though life and death is being put before us all in these end times every day. The ending you choose is 100% your choice. If you go to hell, you will not be able to blame God. Those were the choices you made, the life you lived. It will be all you. And so God says they will come out of the sea and walk among you. And I did have such a clear vision on, it was June sometime in 2021. That prophecy is definitely two years old. I might read a little bit from it because it's part of my notes. It's not for publication. He says that they will come out of the sea among us and walk among us. I've shared in the old prophecy that mermaids are fully fish in the water and then they can transform to have legs here on earth. This is when they are taking their tangible form 
when they come out of the water and have legs, they are stunning men and women. Understand this. They are not coming to be among us, to look like us. They surpass human beauty. But yet when you see them in their true form, you will understand why God says they change their skin. The way they really look is light blue, medium blue, dark blue, just like we look um, light, very, very light, Caucasian, and then we look light brown, medium brown, different shades of olive and tan. That is how their skin color varies, but it is a blue hue. Yet when they come on earth, they change the colors to look more human, to be accepted by humanity. So they adopt our shades because blue people will be very easily noticed by us. Yet God says, you will know who they are. He was talking to me. I represent the group of people who have spiritual discernment. When God is saying these things, he's not just speaking exclusively to me. He's speaking to all his children who have learned to increase their discernment. He's speaking to all his children that on top of using your eyes and ears wisely, on top of spiritual discernment that God gives you, there is a top level of protection. And do you want to know what that level of protection is? That level of protection is that you fully belong to God and he will never let you enter a trap like copulating, sleeping with a mermaid. So above, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. I fasted, I fasted, I fasted. I have discernment and my discernment is sharp, girl. My discernment is sharp, man. There is a level that we don't control and that level is love. This generation always talks about love, but doesn't God love everyone? The answer is no, God does not love everyone. God loves those who are obedient. Why do you call me Lord and you don't do what I say? He doesn't love those people. He loves those who have humbled themselves, taken up their cross, are denying their flesh and following him. The heart of God is as soft as a pancake towards those whose hearts are soft as a souffle towards him. If you are hard-hearted towards God, mocking and proud when the word of God comes, what makes you think that God would love you? You're not acting like a son. You're not bearing your place in the kingdom. You're not following him. You don't have a heart for him. You mock and he says that when calamity comes and there's nothing more calamitous than bone crushers, troglodytes, night hunters, and mermaids on earth, that's the worst time for God to tell you, I will laugh at you when these problems come. So the answer is no, God does not love everyone. God loves the people who love and have received his son. He gave his son for the whole world. If you reject the gift of the son, what further love do you want? So they change their skin, but God says that those who are his will know who these creatures are. Be very careful in the end times. I don't talk much about marriage on this channel because the things that God says about that, he has not told me to make it public. But all I can say to you is this, if you desire that gift in your life, go by the golden rule that believers should not yoke with what, with what is outside of our faith. There's a woman, she can be brought into the kingdom, she can come to know the Lord, that's fine. And the benchmark is not, oh, you know, I'm with my spouse, but you know, he just hates to hear me talking about the scripture. Does that mean that he's a Nephilim? No, it goes much deeper than that. There are haters of God who are fully human and they just don't want to hear it. You're playing this video and then he's playing ASAP Rocky or whatever it is because he doesn't want to hear my voice because the two spirits don't mesh together. So your question shouldn't be, is he trying to drown out my voice? The question should be, what's wrong with you that you can't go and look for the kind of man who wants to hear what I'm saying so the both of you can listen together, get married and move forward in the Lord. Nephilim can easily go to church because the churches are lukewarm Many of them are sitting in the churches. In fact, in the old prophecy, God says that these creatures are the father of some people's children. These people are the ones who have birthed out your son and your daughter, and you filmed the whole thing on whatever. And speaking of filming here, they will allow themselves to be seen. They will allow themselves to be photographed for the first time. I will say it again. They will allow themselves to be seen. This is mermaids. They will allow themselves to be photographed for the first time. So there is a belief here on earth when an, 
when a UFO sighting happens or when people say, I saw this and I saw that. And then people say, where's the video? There's no video. It didn't happen. And what the Lord asked in, I think it was 2022, it, he said, my daughter, look at the arrogance of these people that think that multidimensional beings can be captured by the little 4K camera in their hands. Humanity is very deceived. You think because the camera now has six more holes at the back or 10 more cameras at the back, so then you're at the apex of tech. You're so wise that you actually think a physical camera can capture a spirit. This is what the father was asking, because to me, it's always made sense why there's no footage. But to the wise ones out there, God wanted me to ask you, what makes you think that something that will not be there and then suddenly can come there and then suddenly can disappear? People testify, it dissolved in front of my eyes. It was there and then it was not there. But yet this generation says, no, film it for me. It didn't happen if you didn't film it. Well, God says that there will be footage of all because the mermaids will come out and they will let people see them for the first time. This means that if they're sitting on a rock and a human boat goes by and they usually jump into the water, but now they will sit there and begin to brush their hair openly and show you their left side, which is their good side. So you can take pictures. They will show themselves to people and the world will become split over the coming of the last days, Nephilim, to live among men. Just a moment, please. I will read just a brief piece of this Part of my notes, it is from July the 14th, 2021. So it's almost two years old that the Lord was giving me this teaching. And the type, the name of this is uh, Mermaids in Plain Sight. Now, please understand that God was talking to me, not to a group. The mermaids will come out of the sea in the end days. They will come out of their own free will and be seen by everyone. And people will believe you for saying that God revealed this to you by his spirit, that these creatures really exist. The king of the sea will come out and he will stand on the shoreline with his wives, for he has many wives. These are the queens of the sea who are the chief mermaids. There are younger males and younger females in the ruling family. These are the princes and princesses of the water, and they are spirits connected to serving and supporting the throne. These are the lords and ladies of the waters. All of them will come out and they will stand to their full heights with their little one. These are the children of the water. And so here God is describing right here just as we have a family hierarchy upon the earth, God is describing the family hierarchy of the Nephilim of the sea. So the wise people of this generation say that these things don't exist. They say that they are stories. And here God is talking about a time when the entire family, the tip of the spear under the water, the ruling family, the king and his many wives, queens of the sea that are called chief mermaids, as well as the younger males and females, just like in human royal families, they are called princes and princesses, except that they are of the water. He says that these are the spirits that connect to serve and support the throne. That means that if all these spirits connect and are interwoven, supporting one entity, the king of the sea, then how powerful is that being? You who cannot stay out of the nightclub, you who cannot stay off Tinder, you who cannot stay out of the beds of women, you who cannot stay away from the gay orgies, you who cannot stay away from animals. How powerful is this king of perversion, sexuality, marine kingdom against mere human beings? What can flesh do against these creatures? 
And yet men will not humble themselves in the last days when God says the power of the unclean is increasing itself to levels we have never seen before. That means that this is the time that human beings should be on their knees before Jesus saying, wash me from these, my habits, wash me from these, the friends that I'm still following. I watch this woman, but I never actually take steps to get rid of the kind of people she's talking about. I watch this woman, but I never actually take steps to delete the porn. I don't take the step. I just watch her and say, oh, she convicted me. She convicted me. But the steps to save my life from things like the kings, queen mermaids, princes, and princes of the sea, I'm not doing it. And so all I will say is here, um, in this, I saw... I saw the mermaids and the mermen and they came out of the water in front of everyone. I will just put it that way. They were standing on the beach like the cast of a movie. You know how when a new movie is coming out, all the stars are there gazing into the camera like, yeah, can you see us? Well, they came out like that. Standing on their tails. I've spoken of the mermaid tail before. If that thing slaps you, it's game over. And I've spoken that a female mermaid can easily overpower the strongest human male. If you think because it's a woman, that thing can overpower you. The strength in them is like a tiger mixed with an enraged elephant. They can easily beat a man. If God is not with that man, if that thing catches you in the water, it's game over. They can also exist on land. But in one of the visions that God showed me when I was kneeling and praying to him, I saw that a man caught a mermaid when it was not expecting he caught it in the net and dragged it to a part of the shoreline that was too shallow. And she was not prepared to transition out of her water form into her earth form. And she began to die. I mean, rot in rapid real time. You know, when they film a nature series over a period of weeks and then they speed up the footage, that's how that thing was rotting. She went from being medium blue, very strong and robust as the net pulled her, just like a fish coming out of the water, she began to go <gasps> and she began to choke for breath and she began to rapidly rot and deteriorate until she became quite blackened, charcoal-like. Her skin was peeling and rotting and her hair was falling out in clumps all because the fishermen brought her out into this earth realm. In the water realm, they exist as physical being and spirit. When brought out here, please hear me, Nephilim are soulless, you who feel sorry for them and always want to ask me, do the hybrids know that they're hybrids? Can something that doesn't have a soul not know that it's soulless? Can Lucifer not know that he's Lucifer? He is in all these beings. They know what they are. They are at no disadvantage except before Christians. God's people are the only ones who can fight, resist them. And in the last days, we are that hope that are going to be praying for people and casting out these demons from them because unwise people won't stay away from the kind of fornications and sexual immorality that invites them to come and be lords and ladies, kings, queen mermaids, princes and princesses over the human vessel. The name of Jesus breaks their power. The name of Jesus makes them bow. But if they catch you out there, who have all the knowledge, but no Christ, it will be a very difficult and painful situation for you. And that is all I will share from this message. The final thing in the prophecy that I received today, the mighty men are returning June 26, 2023 is this. Please listen because it is important. Many will say that this is polarizing doctrine, but to the children of the Bible, those who actually read the word and don't just have it dusty on the bedroom shelf, they know that when God says separate from them, he means it. God says, do not accept anyone with fish scales. Do not accept them. That means don't say maybe he's just has really bad eczema. I don't think we should judge him. Eczema is different from fish scales. Do not receive anyone bearing evidence of these genes among you. Do not marry them or receive them. They are carrying evidence of the past incursions into the world. 
They are carrying evidence of the past transgressions and past invasions into society. Basically, God is saying that the gene of the fallen expresses itself in certain kinds of external traits. And one of them that I have spoken on this channel is extra fingers and extra toes. Of course, that was received with shock into the greater community. But I know someone with that finger. Well, then I guess you know someone with that finger. The Lord says that these kinds of expressions, extra digits, this is an extra finger, whether on both hands, both feet, or one hand or one foot, scaly skin, fish scales, strange eyes, webbed hands and feet. Stay away from them, for this is evidence of a gene still expressing itself. And if you marry them, it will express itself in you. This is the message of the Lord. So in ancient Israel, they received clear instructions. If you're looking for a son for your wife, he better be an Israelite. If you're looking for a daughter, for a wife, for your husband, let me put that again. If you're looking for a wife for your son, she better be an Israelite. If you're looking for a husband for your daughter, he better be an Israelite. And God was saying this to them and telling them not to intermarry with the tribes that were all around them because these people were full of the fallen angel gene. Amorites, Hittites, Girgashites, Canaanites, all the ites. God didn't want to marry, including Philistines. He didn't want them to marry into those peoples because those peoples were full of all the fallen genes and everything. And so God did not want them intermingling with those people. And God is saying the same thing now. So I don't think the difficulty will be in hearing the words that I'm speaking. The difficulty as always is that once I have said what God has said, this is when all the questions will start, but what about this and what about that? And all I can say is God has said what he has said, and I have said what God has said. And now the working out of the obedience is on that side of the camera, because on this side, I have heard and I have understood and I will obey. And that is all. This is Celestial with the Master's Voice. Thank you for being with me. I want to say thank you to all of you who support the ministry. God really bless you for me and God return your gifts to you and multiply you. I always say that I'm not asking and that those who give, it is your free will gift to the Lord and it is well received. I thank you and I pray that the Lord will multiply you and bless you in more ways than what you have given, that he will gird you about as a shield and protect you and preserve you in all things. I pray for the people on this blog, but I never hold back. And I tell you that one of the main things I pray for people is that you should have a listening ear. There's so many competing voices in this world and so many people, many of you, honestly, you're so weak. You're so weak in your faith and you're very easy to fool. You're very easy to deceive. Anything you hear that sounds convincing, you listen to it. Some people will come here. They've been here for a year and then I will perhaps tell one of the intercessors, don't moderate the blog this weekend. I will moderate it. I will look at the comments. And then I come and I see someone saying, you know, I've watched so many of these videos, but this other guy on this other channel said this. And, you know, I was thinking that maybe it blends with this. And I'm looking and I'm thinking, God, look at this person mixing salt and sweet one year in the presence of these true words. And they still are able to go and drink from a pond with seaweed and all kinds of dead fish floating in it. And then they will still want to come back to the clean pond. And of course, if if you want to mix life and death in you, you will get death because the life of God cannot mix with the death of the lies that many of you are still carrying in you. One of the greatest prayer that I pray for people in the end times is that they will depart out of deception because deception will cost you everything. If a creature comes to your door looking like a man, I shared in 2022 when I was powering through these videos, making five and four of them per day that the Lord showed me a vision of a man who was not human and he was driving and he came to this house. It was one of these towns here in America where uh, 
people don't live close together like in the city so you know you have one house and then you drive on this lonely highway for about three hours and then you find the next house these states that don't have a lot of people in them and this man came to this woman's door a complete transformer transformer meaning can look human and then transform into something with wings and and fangs for all we know came to the door in the middle of a storm knocked on this woman's door and then said oh you know my car broke down on the road and of course he was one of the handsome ones so of course her brain stopped working properly no jesus maybe for all we know common sense the lord showed me because a woman can't live alone in that kind of place unless she can shoot, she has a rifle, she knows how to take care of herself in the worldly sense of the world. But being worldly smart cannot save you in the day that Satan comes because Satan is spiritual smart. And many people lack spiritual smart. They lack discernment. They lack obedience. Many of those who can discern are poor to obey. That means you can discern and you can spot, but then the discernment, maybe the deception is a little higher than the discernment you have. And that's what I talked about. You can have earthly discernment and then you can have spiritual discernment, but there's that third level that God gives to his people. That is mercy where God will not let you be harmed, but that only works if you obey so the deception comes, it's above what your earthly senses can pick up. And it's a little higher than the spiritual discernment, your spiritual radar that you have. And then God wants to step in and God tells you, don't open that door for that thing. That's not your brother. And you're like, but it sounds just like Billy. And that is the end for you. That man came to that woman's door and he was like, oh no, you know, I don't even know, I don't, I don't know what I'm asking. Of course, you're a woman, I'm a man, I shouldn't ask. Can I just sit on your porch until the rain cools down? And she said, sure. And she went in the house and then she came back with a little cocoa and she passed it through. And then, you know, she went back in the house and she thought about it, you know, he's a human being just like me. Wrong. I shouldn't treat another human being like this, but anyway, let me just be careful. And she came out and she opened the door again with a blanket. And the second time she went back in the house, the Lord moved the vision to the face of that thing. And I said that I saw that all the softness of humanity had gone away and it was just sharp angle bones, almost like the man was made of just glass or wood or something that was all sharpness. All the padding of humanity had gone from his face and it was just a creature grinning. And that thing knew, I'll just sit on this porch because I know women, they always get soft inside. She'll be back here. And once she opens the door and let me in here, that's the end of the story. I pray for you to have an open ear. I pray for you to have a knee that's quick to bend and pray and a mouth that's slow to open and speak and a mind that even if you have intelligence, what is better than intelligence is divine wisdom. And only God can give you that. And that will be one of the greatest saving factors in the end times. That is going to separate the unbeliever from the unbeliever. But you know what else? Godly wisdom is going to separate the true believer from the carnal Christians and the tares. God bless you. I'm Celestial with the Master's Voice. I pray that these two in-depth videos will benefit you just because these things are things that you may never have heard when you were going to church does not make them any less true. God is opening the books and revealing final mysteries. And those who have ears to hear, God bless you as you hear. Until I see you again, goodbye.